to the Dr. Lori Marvis podcast, and today I'm really honored to have Bill Psycholic. I think I said that correctly. Yay, you got did. Up. <laughs> and he's uh, doing some amazing adventures of running all of the national parks. And so we're here to see how he's doing that on a plant-based diet and why he chose to, to do such an amazing adventure and kind of take us along on his journey. So how are you doing today, Bill? Oh, uh, fabulous, actually. Uh, I'm um, getting ready to go and run my marathon at the U.S. Virgin Islands National Park. Wow. which, of course, is not going to be very difficult at all to be in the Virgin Islands for a week. <laughs> uh, but I'm visiting some family, and we just ran a, a 5K this morning, um, my brother, his family, and my sister-in-law's uh, father. So it was very nice. So we had a good time, beautiful weather, and uh, it was fun for everybody to participate. Wow, that is wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your, your backstory. You know, we can get up to the running the parks, running a marathon in the parks. I didn't even mention that. I like running yeah. a full marathon every park and there's 59 of them, correct? Right. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. And, mm. but tell me kind of how this all started. You had mentioned you were from New York. How did you, this even get started? Yeah. I most recently was living in New York city. I lived in Queens and worked in Manhattan every day. Did the typical kind of New York uh, experience. I was a management consultant. I was running big IT projects for clients. And just over time, um, New York started to feed on me and it really was draining me. I wasn't happy with my job. I wasn't kind of happy with living in the big city anymore. I was quite far from nature. You, know, you can only run around Central Park so many times and it's not really very, um, uh, re refreshing because there are a lot of people around and I like people, but sometimes, sometimes you want to go and connect with nature. And that was difficult in New York city. It was far on the train or a car. And, um, it was, uh, it was just time. Um, so, uh, I was planning to move to Denver, Colorado at the end of May of last year. And I decided because I was kind of stressed and a little tired that I would take some time off. Saved up some money um, along the way, and um, when when it was about just February, when I happened to read that it was the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service, and I thought, oh well, you know, if I'm going to go to Colorado and do the heck, do the the standard American cross country driving thing, and I will see some of the national parks. And being a little bit of a Type A personality, it wasn't kind of compelling enough. It just wasn't enough to it, and I thought, well. What do I like to do and, and, and what am I missing in my life? And I like to run. I like to run long distances. And I'm not getting the exposure to nature that I want. So I thought, well, why don't I make it hard <laughs> and run a marathon, 26.2 miles, in all 59 U.S. national parks? And the idea literally just came to me like that. It was not a long contemplation. It was like, wow, you know, if I really want to see the parks – in an in-depth way, doing something that I enjoy, why not do it this way and, and then do all of them? So uh, I've been on that, that trip. So I've sort of came up with the idea in February, started planning, um, um, left New York City at the end of May. And my first marathon was Acadia National Park in Maine on June 18th. So since then, I've finished 40 national parks, run 40 marathons. Uh, for, for the folks that will be listening, it, it, these are not races. The national parks 
uh, rarely, there are exceptions, but rarely allow big commercial events because the national parks are not about that. They're about preserving the the nature and the beauty as it is and as it's always been for future generations to enjoy. And commercial events of hundreds of people running around kind of detracts from the other's experience, the other people there, as well as could potentially damage or, or impact the environment. So there are very rarely any kind of organized runs or races within the bounds of the national parks. So this is just me getting out the National Geographic trail map and sitting down with the rangers and mapping out a 26.2 mile course in the park that gets to see the highlights. And the rangers have been wonderfully supportive and, and I've been doing that uh, since, uh, since June. So almost a year, you're about yeah. two months into it. Wow, that's incredible. So tell me a little bit about, we'll get to all the different parks you've seen. How did you start on your plant-based journey? Yeah, that um, I think about how to explain this to people because when you read about folks that are athletes that have gone vegan or, or people, a lot of times it's a snap thing or it's I read a book and then the next day I threw out everything and became vegan or um, I instantly made a concerted effort. And mine was more of a, a real gradual evolution over time. And being a runner, I think that because I'm in tune with my body and how I feel when I'm running and and uh, exercising that I was paying attention to the results of how of what was happening when I was making these changes. So uh, I grew up my uh, when I grew up, my dad worked for a, a meat distribution company. So we ate steak four times a week. And then other days was hamburger or chicken or fish or pork. Uh, and it was a meat, very meat heavy centric um, diet for a number of reasons. One, a lot of people think that that's the healthiest. And, and two, we could get really good quality for less money because, you know, he worked there and got the, the discount. So I ate that for, for growing up. And then on my own, not being big chef, I would try to eat simply. But a lot of, again, a lot of animal products, uh, a lot of chicken. I ate barnyards full of chicken because I kind of got tired of the red meat. And then I ate, and then I was like, ah, you know, I'm tired of chicken breast every day. It's kind of bland and boring, and you can only put so much barbecue sauce on it. And uh, then I ate schools of fish because I thought, well, I'm, I'm an athlete, and I got to get the omegas, and, and uh, uh, it's supposed to be healthier for you. So I, was, I, was, I depleted the oceans of salmon, let me tell you. And uh, I had enough tuna fish to, uh, to fill multiple cans. Uh, so um, I, uh, I started cutting back. As in, I was cutting back, though. And switching, so chicken to fish, and then I got kind of got tired of fish, and I was cutting back. Uh, I felt better, and um, when I started feeling better, uh, this was also at the time I was reading a little bit more about nutrition and health, and um, I came across the China study as is, as is many many people's introduction into this. Uh, but uh, when I started reading more and more about it and cutting back, it was funny because I cut back because I was I felt better and I got tired of the other stuff. Um, it just finally, I don't even know the exact date when I would say I went officially completely plant-based and haven't had meat since then, but it's been about four or five, maybe six years. Um, I guess this is 2017, so 2011, yeah, probably five years. Uh, and it, I don't miss it. I don't feel that I need it. Uh, I got plenty of protein. Uh, so it, it was an evolution and, um, 
I try to encourage people to recognize that that they can do that too, but you have to stick with it. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I kept evolving and kept feeling better and stuck with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back and say, Oh, well, I feel good today. I'm going to eat like chicken all week next, the next week. Like it really, really stayed in tune with my body. And, and I think if people do that, they'll recognize that you that Why would I want to feel not as good as I can? Right. 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 So tell me, when you say you were feeling better, what exactly were you noting in your own physical evolution? Uh, the the biggest thing that happened to me that uh, I would have never believed, and I had read a little bit about it, is that plant-based athletes or those that eat a lot less uh, uh, animal products recover faster from heavy workouts. And so I would go out and run a 15-mile run or a 20-mile run training for a marathon. And prior to that, it was taking, you know, four or five days, six days to really feel back to normal. And once I was to the point where I was fully plant-based and now, you know, two, three days at the most from one of my marathons, uh, ready to go again. Mm. So it that has been the biggest thing. But it, all the other stuff that comes with it, with the, the better digestion, the just the the less acid reflux. I used to have that because I would eat, you know, again, ate a lot of animal products um, and uh, uh, just sort of more energy. Mm-hmm. So you, I think it's funny when you, when you hear people talk about what's good health and good food and good, the right nutrition, and then you look at what athletes do right before and right after big events, like a big soccer match, a big football game or something like that. They don't have a big steak dinner the day before, runners. They don't have a big protein-heavy meal the day before or the day after, typically, because they can't hack it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to allow them to perform at their best. Mm-hmm. So why do it at all? Right. You know? So if you want to be your best and you act this way so that you can be your best, why not try and do that all the time and be your best all the time? Right. That's, so That's a great question because a lot of people struggle with that. They just, they're mm-hmm. so um, addicted to the taste and... Uh, the I guess the social aspect of <clears throat> excuse me eating and trust me I, I, I deal with that every single day with patients mm-hmm. in their discussions and how to eat well so yeah I mean I agree um, I know I've been a runner for like 25 years and whenever um, we switched over our, we're going on our sixth year as well um, well 2012 so yeah it was we passed that point so mm-hmm. recovery was huge so you yeah. run a long distance race and you know, like you said, it would take a few days, and I was a little stiff. But yeah, ha- you know, I like half marathons. I'm not a huge. I've run one full marathon as mm-hmm. like one and done. Maybe another <laughs> one later this fall. Someone's trying to talk me into it. But um, the halves I really love, and I'm fine the same day. So yeah, and uh, yeah, half is a great distance. It's yeah. a, it's a lot of fun, and I think it's one of those where it's challenging enough that you really have to prepare for it. You can't mm-hmm. just walk out the door, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't. Uh, doesn't beat you up right. too badly and you can you can feel good and and go out and run shortly thereafter and still put in a good performance so right and still work a full-time job and do everything else. <laughs> yeah and do podcasts yes and do, do. <laughs> all yes. that other stuff so um that is really cool so now now when you're running all of these races what is your is it one every week or one every couple of weeks how often are you running these 
Uh, well, I'm doing this full time since okay. I, I'm, you know we mentioned that I I quit my job and and I've been traveling around the the country in my Subaru. Okay. Uh, You're gonna be great in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah it's a requirement. I yeah. think in Colorado maybe yeah. I should grow a beard and wear flannel. Um, <laughs> it. Uh, uh, so I've been doing them about one a week. Okay. That's been that's been the average. So I tend to get to a park and spend between three and seven days at each one because I go on day hikes. I take pictures. Uh, I go to the visitor center, talk to the rangers. I look at the exhibits. I try to learn a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of parks, so there's and they're they're a lot of times they're very different. So it's a lot of facts and figures to try and remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, I go and I try and learn a little bit about the environment and uh, see the park, right? Um, absolutely. And then I do the the marathon day is usually a full day because of uh, it's they're mostly on trails. I think of the 40 I've done. 36 of them have been on trails, maybe 35, somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, occasionally there's a park that doesn't have an extensive trail system or um, doesn't have enough trails, you know, just so I run on the, on the road. Uh, but I prefer the trails. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's about, it's about one a week. Um, I actually feel better, funny enough, if I run them um, closer together. Five days is about... I think the best cadence, if I could get into like a five day cadence, five or six, okay. seven, what I feel is I actually, it sounds counterintuitive, but I actually start to stiffen up a little bit more right. because I'm not moving. Right. And, you know, I'm still doing day hikes and I'll do, sometimes I'll do two short runs in between the marathons, mm -hmm. just stay loose, but uh, not always. Mm -hmm. So that's why that, that five, six days is, is like the sweet spot i think so your running is strictly just typically just the marathons you're hiking and then yeah no other running in, in between typically short, short ones usually anywhere from from three to six or seven eight miles at the most okay uh, just to just to limber up and sometimes i use that as a way to scout some of the trails mm -hmm. find where that's where i'm going to start what it looks like you know check out the conditions a little bit so but not not i'm not doing 15 and 20 mile runs in between the two, the marathons. Wow. Okay. And as far as, so you're camping out of your Subaru, right? Yeah. About 40% of the time I'm camping. Okay. So as I'm doing this on savings, uh, I try to live as frugally as possible and I've adopted a little bit of a minimalist lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've sold everything that I need, uh, don't need. <clears throat> and I've given a lot of things away. Uh, I have basically a small, space in one of my brother's houses uh, uh, with the things that I want to keep, which is not a lot. And this mm -hmm. is not furniture. It's just a lot of photos that I used to take uh, the 35 millimeter uh, photography for a long time and lots of prints and a few other things. Um, and what's in my Subaru. So that's it. And it's, uh, it's liberating because, it's... you know, you don't need all that stuff. I, I completely <laughs> understand. We, um, Let's see, I've been married to almost 24 years, and I have three children, and they're 23. Johnny will be 21, and Gabe will be 19 in October. So we, we've we had my grandmother lived with us for eight years. I had custody of a cousin for a year. And then Pat's, my husband's in-laws, his parents lived with us for six. So they left all their things. Oh. Plus, we moved across the country. And when I moved to Florida, my husband's still in Colorado with my youngest. He's finishing high school and uh, this year. And I'll tell you, I put what could fit in my car. My daughter and I drove down. 
I have an, uh, two sleeper sofas that the kids can sleep on, a dining table, a bed <laughs> in my kitchen. Yeah. No TV, nothing else, yeah. and we're getting rid of everything else. So when my husband comes, it's literally uh, – it'll be a bed. For one of the kids is transferring over here to FAU or here in Boca, and um, – it's been fantastic because I started this process about two years ago, just trying to get rid of stuff. But, you know, like I have photos like you do. I have 35 yeah. millimeter, but yeah. had to go through all the kids' stuff because I used to, like, save everything they'd wrote on, like, little napkins. and. <laughs> but, yeah, that's um, very uh, – it is liberating, and it's it's less stressful, yeah. I think. It's like Yeah, I, I didn't – again, another – like the recovery aspect of, of eating plant-based, the – the feeling of physical lightness or being physically lighter yeah. once you've shed yourself of physical belongings yeah. was surprising to me. Again, I never would have expected it until it happened to me because, you know, you hear people talk about it. But right. then when it when I uh, purged things going from Washington, D.C. to New York City, where I used to live in D.C., and then again from New York to now mm – -hmm. You, you actually feel like you've lost weight, but you haven't lost weight. Like physically, a weight is off of you. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it is. It's like a um, a decluttering of, of the of your physical self, but it's not stuff that you're carrying around. I, I, I totally understand right. exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, but still with the children, I still need somewhere they can come back and, and roost, at least yeah. until they're all out of college. And my daughter starts medical school this fall. So, um, yeah, busy family um <laughs> but that is really cool I, I love that it seems that people who run too they tend to be more minimalistic type individuals i think because they like yeah. nature and just the simplicity of living and that's pretty cool so it's interesting i never thought about that sorry to interrupt but the no, simplicity no. of thinking and living and the simplicity of the sport mm -hmm. so i'd be curious that would be an interesting study for someone listening to do <laughs> They're a, like a sports psychologist or sociologist or someone out there who might want to analyze the living conditions or the, the way people live and the sports they play. Right. So, you know, um, like you said, you've known a lot of runners that tend to be minimalists. I wonder if cyclists, again, hard sport, you know, I don't want to take anything away from anybody who cycles because I think it's amazing, but it's a very gear heavy Very much so. Sport. Right. So the, the clothing, the gear, the shoes, the, you know, the electronics, the mm -hmm. bike, mm -hmm. all of the tools that on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd be interested to see if they live a more cluttered life. Well, you know, I, 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 gear. I agree with you because my husband loves cycling and <laughs> I hate it. I'm not not nothing against again, like cycling. I yeah. am not a fan of it because I don't like Oh, it's like dragging the bike around, and you're gonna. I'm like, I'm gonna. Sure, I'm gonna die if I can't clip out. I'm gonna fall. And he goes, right. Well, it's not a matter of if; it's just when you're gonna fall. Right. I'm like again, that's not. It's <laughs> not exactly something. Else. Otherwise, I have my parachutes or my trail shoes, and I'm off and I'm going. And uh, it's just so freeing. But I I agree with you. It is it is a very gear heavy sport, and he tends he is the more of the. Uh, Shall I say hoarder of the two of us? <laughs> He's come a long way. He's working on it. Um, but yeah, I, I I would agree. My youngest, who's also a runner, he's a fabulous runner. He um, he literally just wants to live out of the back end of his truck when he gets done with college and just travel. And he's like such a Colorado kid. But yeah, it's that would be really interesting. You're exactly right. Because when people work in their workspace, they say they've done studies. If they're decluttered and they're, you know, you're, you have a better space, you are more productive and less stress. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that visual stimuli of of stuff I think has a subconscious effect on on just how you feel. Yeah. Um pressure and weight and um anyway, isn't we're supposed to be talking about plants. Yeah, no. See, this is what's so great about this this thing this because um we go into so many different directions. I mean, yeah. like for example, I belong to a Facebook group that's minimalist mama docs. That's what it's called. And yeah, it's nice. doctors who have transitioned more towards this minimalist lifestyle and honestly, they're a much cheerier group than my other you know, doctor group. So <laughs> just saying something. No, um, I think it's, it's all related. So to, to you know, the, this is a, to your point, it's, it's all about um, how you live your life and, and how it's all connected. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, know, you, you want to have share whatever you can with people to have them. So, you know, at least think, even if they don't make a change, they can think about the possibility of, of making a change and not be stuck where I think a lot of people are. Right. Yeah, it's it's very very true. Man, that's really cool. So tell me a little bit about how you fuel yourself. So in case I do have some, you know, omnivorous people listening, although I would hope by now they've gotten the message they need to go plant strong. But uh, <laughs> how do you fuel your body to have this recovery? And then plus you're on the road, so it's not even like you can go home to your kitchen and cook something. No, no, I don't. So. Um, about so we were talking about where where I stay. About forty percent of the time I'm camping and usually in private campgrounds. And so I have limited cooking. I have limited refrigeration. All I have is a cooler in my car. So I put ice in the bottom and it keeps as long as it can. Um, and the rest of the time I'm either in hostels, which in some of the bigger parks, the more well-known parks, there are hostels close by, and it's not a—it's more of a European thing, but I think it's growing in popularity in the U.S. So at hostels, hostels are nice because they have kitchens and, and um, uh, refrigerators, so I'm able to do a little bit more there. And then uh, otherwise, I'm in really inexpensive Airbnbs, which you may or may not have access to the kitchen. And then um, on occasion, with, with a, some regularity, I've actually stayed at people's houses because I promote – on Facebook running groups that I'm going to be in the area. And I want people to join me. I want this to be a little bit of a social thing, going out and exploring and engaging with the national parks on foot and running and running long distances. So about a quarter of the time I have people with me. And a lot of people have said, oh, we we love what you're doing. We love the idea either from the national parks angle or the running angle. Why don't you stay with us for a few days? And so that's been a great way to meet people People have been hugely generous and friendly, and I've made a lot of great connections. So that's fun. So, uh, and, But even when you're at somebody's house, I'm not, like, looking to make a big mess in their kitchen. So I, I try to fuel very simply. I was joking with somebody that um, we know that when Albert Einstein and um, Steve Jobs wore the same clothes every day because they didn't want to think about it. It's like, looks fine. It's functional. That's it. That's kind of my eating, the way I eat. I eat. Almost the same thing every day. It's it's hopefully nutritionally dense. It's got the right breadth of, of what I need, and it fuels me, and I'm able to do what I'm doing. So uh, why change it? So uh, I'll go through briefly what it is. Like the morning is either overnight oats or overnight chia seeds that I just put in the car, <laughs> you know. Uh, usually water and not a plant-based milk because uh, of the refrigeration aspects of that. So um and then I'll add, and then I'll add to that. I'll eat some fruit, usually bananas. Um, you'd think I'd start to look like a gorilla because I eat so many bananas. Uh, uh, and so that's breakfast. 
it's it's that simple. And I, sometimes I'll add a little bit of uh, agave raw agave nectar just to sweeten it up, but not always. And so that's where you know the simplicity of my eating and my palate has either um, devolved to where it should be or evolved to being able to recognize that they, you know this stuff actually tastes good. It tastes there's there's no need to cover it with a half a pound of maple syrup, and although I like maple syrup, but uh, you know, uh, other kinds of sweetener or things. It's 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 good the way it is. Um, so that's breakfast. Lunch is typically a, a salad sandwich. I buy a really good uh, quality um, bread, something like Dave's Killer Bread or Ezekiel Bread. There's another brand I think it's called Eureka that's uh, tends to be whole grain. Some of them are sprouted grain. Usually they're organic and um, I take two pieces of bread and then I'll take like an inch and a half to two inches of spinach and tomatoes and maybe some cucumbers, maybe some peppers if I have them, you know, whatever I can keep in the cooler and, and it not go bad. Uh, and then I smash it together and I crush it down so that it's, you know, I can actually get it in my mouth and then I eat it and it's a salad sandwich. Uh, I've had people take pictures of I my sandwich. That. Because they, they, they're like, wait a minute, I've never seen anybody. So where normal folks would put meat, I do, you know, instead of an inch of meat, I do an inch to two inches of some sort of green. Sometimes it's, it's um, lettuce, but because I have limited refrigeration and space in that cooler, it's, it's amazing how quickly it fills up when you have to put ice in the bottom. Uh, I try to buy whatever's the most nutrient-dense green and that I can palate eating in a um, uh, in a sandwich. So spinach is a is a great one for me. Uh, I don't usually put any condiments on the salad. It's just the bread, which tastes good, the spinach, which tastes pretty good as far as greens go, and um, you know tomato or cucumber or something. And then I eat fruit on the side. So sometimes I'll have two of those sandwiches. So that's a lot of greens without having to. Uh, you know, have a bowl and then have to do dishes. And you know, it's, again, simple on the road, usually out of the back of the car and uh, at a truck stop. Um, yeah, the, you're, I know you're laughing to people on the podcast no, can't see. But I, I believe I, it. My, my, my stepdad was a truck driver. I've been in many yeah. truck stops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I pull over to get gas and take a little break and pop the back and, and have my sandwiches there. So, uh, I don't. I often post that on like Instagrams, uh, the stories, the moments, because uh, uh, it's just funny. Because people go, "Well, where do you eat?" I'm like, "Yeah, at truck stops. Like really, <laughs> at a gas station. You know, gas station uh, lunch. Another one. Um, <laughs> so it's not all glamorous in the national parks. You know, you have to get there. So. Right. Well, you should uh, actually start posting. Hey, cheap gas at this gas station. <laughs> Whatever. Else. Yeah, I can. Uh, I hit so many of them. Uh, I've put 34,000 miles on my car since June. Wow. Well, Subarus are great. So yeah. Yeah, we have two of them ourselves. So yeah. So that was uh, that was lunch, and we've talked a lot about my meal planning, which is actually – why am I talking so much? It's so simple. Uh, and then dinner. Because it's um, fascinating. Yeah. I know. Dinner is uh, uh, rice and beans. And um, because of my limited cooking cap- capabilities on the road – it's usually, uh, especially when I'm camping, it's it's minute rice. So 
people I've I've had some people like turn up their nose a little bit about that and they're like, Oh my god, it's it's pre cooked rice, it's white rice, you're you're just reheat it in hot water in four minutes I've got rice. I'm going, Yeah, yeah. Um it's the best thing I can do given my particular situation. And it's not bad. Uh yeah. and then you you add right you add beans out of a can, either the low or no sodium. Pinto Black or Bonzo Cannellini, I like a lot. Pinto, you know, you name it, and I do that. Um, and the the one, so for this, sometimes I'll add condiments. Uh, mustard, again, it tastes good. Turmeric. It's, it's turmeric, and it's low calorie. It's not super salty because you're not using a ton of, of, of it anyway. And so I'll either do that or I'll mix in, it's funny you said turmeric, um, curry powder. Yellow, yellow curry powder, which is turmeric and, and black pepper in it, essentially, yeah. and mix that together. So it's like a curry rice and beans. And then I'll augment with tomatoes um, and some more spinach sometimes, uh, sometimes canned vegetables when the fresh stuff goes um, bad. Um, for for people, like I, I kind of believed it, that there were food deserts, but I had never really experienced one until on this trip because in some of these these rural places, the the, gross, the grocery stores are not very good, and they don't have a lot of produce. And so uh, I augment with canned vegetables, which, again, they're vegetables. It's fine. You know, try to buy the try to get the ones with the low or no sodium, and um, uh, it's better than eating the Slim Jim. You know. <laughs> Do you ever throw nuts in or like nut butters at all? Uh, I did for a little while. So yeah, I'll do. Um, um, Peanut butter and uh, peanut butter or almond butter and banana sandwiches on occasion, not too often, but on occasion. And then in the car when I'm driving, I'll I'll have either dried fruit, dates. Um, right now I have some dried mango, and then um, uh, some sort of uh, trail mix. When I can find a grocery store with a bulk aisle, I'll make my own. So I'll take a little bit of all the different kind of categories and mix it together. And uh, have it in a bag, and I'll just eat that while I'm driving. So not when I'm running. Typically, I think it's a little too too much to chew and process, but um, uh, it's great in the car. But as I said, a lot of fruit, a lot of apples, pears, bananas, like crazy. Love bananas. Everybody eat bananas. As many. Here's a, here's a little random piece of uh, random statistic that I didn't know, but I have friends who work for Walmart. And uh, they said the number one um, thing sold at the one, number one product sold at, at Walmart more than anything else they have of their thousands and thousands and thousands of products. Number one, bananas. They sell more bananas than anything else. And I was like, well, that's good. More people should eat bananas. Bananas, yeah, it's probably the one fruit that I don't think I've ever met anyone that had problems eating bananas. Sure, no. there is some out there, but not not anybody. And I've never heard him say, "I don't like bananas." Like, who doesn't like a banana? Who doesn't like bananas? Like, yeah, I, I'm not quite to the fructarian side of things. I don't eat 20 a day, right? But I think I've eaten as far as eight a day. Wow. And usually it's between three and six. Wow. So, that's incredible. I mean, because you're going from driving to you know being very active. It's it, it sounds like this has really worked well for you. I'm curious, yeah. have you done the cost analysis of it? How much that's cost per day? Because that would feed a healthy person regularly anyway, too. What you uh, you know, I haven't. Um, you know, if you if you really looked at it, if you did 
uh, rice where you weren't buying minute rice, which actually probably is a little more expensive than buying just bags of rice and cooking it yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you did dried beans, that's cheaper. If you um, then canned beans, although canned beans again not super expensive, mm -hmm. uh, you know, spinach and uh, you know a decent bread. I think people will look at the cost of the bread sometimes mm -hmm. in bulk because it's not a 99 cent loaf. It's usually like 4.99 mm -hmm. or five. But that'll last it's, you three or four days, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but I look at that, that's value, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm trying to buy, I'm trying to eat simply, but of the, the highest quality I can because mm -hmm. I value how I feel and what I'm trying to do. And if I'm just going to go, well, I'll just throw whatever junk in, then you're going to get junk out, right? Mm -hmm. you know, your performance right. won't be as good. Your recovery won't be as good. You just won't feel as good. So right. um, you can eat simply and be extremely healthy. I tell my friends that you can eat rice, beans, and collard greens and live to be 140. And you're pr you probably, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you add a few nuts or some type of like yeah. avocado or something in there, and yeah, you probably could for sure. Absolutely get your omegas. Um mm -hmm. The, uh, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that honestly, I'm very simple too. Cause people are like, what do you eat? I'm like, you guys, you really, it really is boring. Like it's oatmeal yeah. and I uh -huh. do blueberries and banana in yeah. the morning with ground flaxseed. Lunch mm -hmm. is always a salad and beans with it. And then dinner is always probably beans or quinoa or yeah. it's really yeah. everything's whatever's when, left over. <laughs> yeah. When I'm, when I'm home, when I'm in one place long enough, uh, which, again, hasn't been that way since June. But uh, I eat simply as well, but more like what you described. I'm able to augment things. So I'll add – I actually do have um, – I have hemp hearts. I don't have any flaxseed right now. I used it all. But um, I'll, I'll – if I remember to buy it, if I can find it at a grocery store, especially out in the rural areas, um, I'll buy stuff like that and augment a little bit um, just to get a little added uh, um, nutrient uh, nutrients, but uh, yeah, at home I'll do more, a little bit more, but not much. Yeah. You know? No, it's it's actually really simple, easy to do. People try to make it way more complicated than necessary. Cause yeah. So it's really funny when we get people in at the Oasis and they're just like, but I, I need to be, you know, food needs to be interesting and I, I need to enjoy it. I was like, yeah, you can, but you're going to mm -hmm. change. Like you were saying, the yeah. food actually tastes very good yeah. like bananas can be very sweet and strawberries yeah. and blueberries and you know i've even had people say like wow this almond has an, an amazing taste and i'm yeah. like yeah i know because um, yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not covering it up with some type of you know um fat or some type of salt and sugar you're yeah. you actually taste the real food so that's uh. really cool so now tell me about some of your favorite places that you've actually run your marathons what are some of your favorite parks yeah good i'm glad you asked um, what are your favorite parks with the S? Um, because everybody goes, what's your favorite one? And I, I go, well, I don't want any national park to feel bad, so I can't pick a favorite. But uh, uh, I, do have, I do have a few. I categorize them. So I liked, uh, for the desert parks, I liked Death Valley, which is popular for a reason. That's an amazing place. Uh, I like Canyonlands of the five parks in Utah. I liked it the best. Uh, the others are also amazing, but that one was just, it was particularly fun for running because you actually run on the rock formations rather than on a sort of a standard single track kind of trail, um, but also beautiful. And um, Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota is un under, um, 
visited, I think. It's huge, spectacular, massive bison herd lumbering all around. Uh, I had to run around bison on the trail a couple of times. Uh, so that's that was and it's uh, it's got badlands, which is a is a, a geological feature um, and then prairie and grassland. It's very it's it's just a it's just a really nice park. And uh, it's not one that people know about uh, the mountain parks. I liked North Cascades and Mount Rainier in Washington state. And I liked uh, Lassen Volcanic National Park in California, which has thermal features like Yellowstone, but not nearly the number of people. And it also has, uh, it's one of the few places in the world where you can see all four volcano types. So who knew there were only four volcano types? Well, there are only four. And Lassen Volcanic has all of them within in the national park. So you can go and, and see they're not all active bubbling like, you know, Hawaii, but uh, you, you can experience that. Um, I'm not a big beach person or a water person. So as beautiful as uh, the... Biscayne National Park and Dry Tortugas, uh, and I'm sure U.S. Virgin Islands will be. Um, you know, I, I I like them, but they're not that draw. They don't draw me in, you know, as much as the others. I like the mountains. So, to be in you know a pine forest, uh, running through that on the trail is just so engaging to me. You know, you have to pay attention when you're doing this. Uh, it's a it forces you to be in the moment more than road running. Is road running, you're not as much, you have to pay attention to cars and maybe other people, but um, you don't have to pay attention to your footing as much. Where on the trails, you have to pay attention to everything. The, the roots, the rocks, the mud, the, the conditions, the hills, the animals, you know? And I, it just, it, you have to be focused more. And I think that that's, that's another thing that I, that I like about it is, it it forces you to make that break because you have to pay attention or you'll trip. <laughs> no, I agree. I've done tons of trolling in Colorado, and uh, it is very different. Although I, I do love the beach, but if you're going to trail around, mm-hmm. I think you're right. The mountains definitely draw you in. But in the ocean, because I run right by the ocean, you're, you are, you know, those waves can get you wet. <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah, they're they're both amazing uh, places. I, but I do love the ocean, boy. Um, so... That is really cool. So now what parks do you have left? Do you have the list? Oh, that's good. So I finished 40 of the 59 national parks. Okay. And in the lower, there are 47 parks in the lower 48 states. And I have remaining the U.S. Virgin Islands, which I'm doing next week, mm-hmm. which is not in the lower 48. It's actually off of Florida. And then I come back and I head towards Colorado. So there are four national parks in Colorado. Um, which I don't know if you've been to all of them since you had lived there. There's Black Canyon of the Gunnison, uh, Great Sand Dunes, Rocky Mountain, and Mesa Verde. Mm-hmm. Had you been to all four? I lived over by Grand Junction, so I have been to all of them. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so you know, maybe afterwards we can talk about your recommendations for me to where to stay, what to see, where to run. Um, when when will you be in Colorado? Uh, two weeks, two, two and a half weeks from now. Yeah. You probably even, if you're going to be towards Grand Junction, you probably stay with my husband and my family. Oh. We have <laughs> tour bedrooms. <laughs> I'm up there. There's just the boys there. So. Wow, that would be awesome. Yeah. See? Let, 
runner to runner. This is exactly, <laughs> what, it, exactly what has happened to me. You yeah. talk about it. Oh, wow, that's great. You can stay with us. So. Yeah, I don't think that'd be a problem. And it's all plant based, so we'll make sure and feed yeah. you well. And yeah, yeah, I'll make sure and we'll definitely hook that up with my husband for sure. Yeah. Perfect. So the, the four in Colorado, and then I skipped two in California because at the time it was already too cold and there was mm-hmm. snow on the trails, and that's Sequoia and Kings Canyon. Okay. And then Grand Canyon. Uh, I want to do rim to rim to rim, <clears throat> so I'm trying to organize some folks that I met in in uh, Kentucky um, because I was at Mammoth Cave National Park there. Okay. Then they have done rim to rim to rim and want to do it again because they said they didn't do it very well the first time. Yeah, you wanted <laughs> so to they learned a lot in the winter, and, right? <laughs> oh, well, uh, in end of May, I'm going to look to try and do it at the end of May. And uh, so those are the lower 48, and then there are two in Hawaii and one in American Samoa. Okay. And then there are eight in Alaska, and we were talking a little bit before we we, we clicked the record button about Alaska. Uh, Alaska is going to be logistically challenging to say the least. Mm-hmm. You, the there's the cost and the time to get there. It's three thousand miles to drive from Denver, so oh. it's in the all through Canada to get just to get to Anchorage, then to drive or to transit yourself to the four parks that you can you can get to by car. The other four parks, you need a bush plane to get to. So how I'm going to figure out getting to Alaska and then getting a bush plane flights to the park, um, those four parks don't have established trails or roads. So how I'm going to work with – I have to work with an Alaskan guide or someone that knows the terrain to be able to figure out 26.2 miles – that either gets you back to where the bush plane picks you up or gets you to a point somewhere else where the bush plane picks you up. Mm. Um, I'd like to also do those parks with other people for safety reasons. Right. Uh, and uh, I just, the, I've been doing a little bit of the pricing and it's, it's significant. Um, the bush plane pl- flights are not cheap. The, the, the cost of then lodging and food and uh, all of that once I'm there uh, it's going to be a lot, especially if I don't drive. Mm-hmm. If I decide to fly up, then I have to rent a car. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Alaska will probably, as much as I'd, I'd like to do it uh, all in one shot, I think Alaska will probably be summer of 2018. Mm. And that's just because of the weather window mm-hmm. is very, very small there and the cost and logistics. Sure. But I should, I should finish the other... 50, the goal is to finish the other 50 parks by this summer. Wow. Okay. Well, plus, though, you have a website called runningtheparks.com, right? And there, there is a link there that people can actually donate to help you fund this amazing trip that you're on. Yeah, I've been doing all of this trip so far self-funded. Uh, I do have a generosity.com crowdfunding page that you can get to from runningtheparks.com mm-hmm. and there's a link there if people are interested in donating uh, that if I could if I had a, additional funds there is the potential that I might be able to sneak in Alaska towards the fall um, but I've talked with some of the rangers up there and I've talked with some folks who who who've lived up there and when they say the window is very small the window is really small for some of those northern parks. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that the difference between one week in August can mean a foot or more of snow. Wow. So you go in the at beginning of August and, and it's clear. By the end of August, it's winter. Wow. And um, just if, if I have to do multiple trips to Alaska, again, 
added expense and, and that. So um, one of the ideas, since you brought it up, <laughs> is uh, I'm, and if anybody's listening that could help, uh, one of my ideas was to uh, pitch this idea to some gear companies, whether that be, for instance, North Face or Patagonia or Solomon or, or companies like that that typically do films okay. and that who also have ultra runners on their staff, you know, they're sponsored athletes. Get a few of their ultra runners together, a film crew, and then, you know, highlight their gear, of course, but do something epic like eight wow. marathons and eight national parks in eight days That'd be cool. and and film it. And it's a it would be a, a film about the beauty of Alaska, mm -hmm. the reason why it needs to continue to be uh, preserved and, and not be spoiled, because these are places that that we want to have for future generations and leave as it's always been there. We have a uh, we, we have a um, responsibility to to you know, maintain some of this earth the way it's always been because we're the ones that are most effective at making changes to it. So right. uh, not changing something is as important as, as development in, in a lot of cases. So it would be a beautiful backdrop. It would be a logistic challenge that mm -hmm. could highlight, hey, how do we fly from park to park? What's the best route? How will we run? And then the physical challenge of doing eight marathons trail marathons, four of which would be bushwhacking in eight days, uh, I just think is is compelling. And like it was when I started this project, people ask me, um, I try to promote um, a message of three Ps, uh, possibility, parks, which we just talked about, and then plants, um, eating a vegan diet and being able to do things like this. So the possibility part, um, when I started this project, I knew what I was looking to do was possible because you see people that run do amazing feats of endurance running endurance all the time and so you just look at that and you go oh, it's possible like mm -hmm. somebody could run a marathon a week it's mm -hmm. it's not it's you have to plan for it and train and, and that but it's not impossible what i didn't know was whether i could do it mm -hmm. and i i started out on this saying yes it's possible i believe i can do it but it there was no definite you know, I wasn't 100% sure. And so same thing with the, the eight parks in eight days. Uh, it's possible. There are plenty of people who have run more than a marathon a day for eight days. But could we do it? You know, is it is it possible for me? Is it possible logistically? Can we pull this off? It's just an, it's an exciting thought, um, you know, whether it may, it may or may not happen. But it's at least a, an interesting concept to be able to say, Here's something that's challenging to the mind, challenging to the body, uh, and highlights these beautiful places. I think would be a compelling, a compelling. Uh, I would film. watch it. That would be fantastic. Uh -huh. Have you um, made strides to actually reach out to someone? I I just came up with this idea just recently because okay. I was trying to figure out a way of of potentially funding this mm -hmm. where. Um, uh, it could be done sooner than than later, but uh, not. I have not reached out to a ton of people yet. Some, but not a ton. I know someone that might be able to help with one company, so I'll give that to you offline as well. So yeah, right. live in Boulder. So perfect. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm when I'm done this, I'm looking to live in the Denver Denver Boulder Golden area. Mm -hmm. Is what I say. Uh, I have friends in Denver, 
So when I get there, I'm going to spend a little time investigating whether I like Boulder, whether I like Golden, whether I like Denver, yeah. or somewhere in between. You know, yeah. I hear it's great. It's it's great. My uh, daughter went to see you. She's been she's still in Boulder until this summer, and then so she's been there five years. And the little one will start there. So, um, yeah, Boulder's an amazing place, and I have a lot of friends who live there. And um, I know if we ever settled somewhere, and all the children are in that area, we'd probably be in Boulder or Longmont somewhere. Yeah, yeah nice <coughs> nice places. Um, as far as uh, I mean that that's a really compelling story. I really like the idea. There's um, other things too. You have a uh, you're also on Facebook, and that's also under Running the Parks. Yep. If you search Running the Parks okay. in Facebook, it will come up. All um, right. And then you share pictures and your stories and. Yeah, I do. I do mostly mostly photography. I take okay. I take a lot of pictures. So I share on Facebook at Running the Parks. Okay. I'm on Twitter. The Twitter one is different because the one I wanted was taken. So Twitter is uh, Run the Parks. Run the Parks, okay. And then Instagram, which is where I've got a lot, most of my photos or all my photos, uh, is, is Running the Parks. Um, so I do photography. I do some short videos. Uh, I, did, I write a little bit. Okay. Um, one of the things that I was trying to get away from with this project was sitting at a desk so my job as a management consultant was a lot of desk time, 10 to 12 hours at a desk staring at a computer on conference calls, and uh, it wore on me. I, f I felt worse getting up out of a chair than I do after finishing a marathon, mm -hmm. and um, I do spend a fair amount of time on the computer doing curating the photos and scheduling posts and, and that, but I try not to do too much. Mm -hmm because that was what I'm trying to get away from. So, right. uh, and, um, you know, seeing the parks and spending time and doing the travel in the cars, uh, you don't get a lot of time. So right. it's good in yeah. that respect. Very cool. Have you ever thought of um, putting together some type of, um, like an ebook to help? So it's like, you're, you know, you've done basically endurance athlete on a plant-based diet, not requiring a kitchen. I mean, honestly, hmm. I think that would be, something that you could even charge a few bucks for and then that'd be another funding source for you yeah that's a good idea i just someone else had suggested that um recently as well mm -hmm. and uh maybe i'm maybe i'm cutting myself short but i just don't think it would be a compelling read <laughs> i you know i maybe maybe not like so maybe i'm really people will go oh yeah that's really easy or that's simple or i can see where he can get that kind of performance out of what he's doing and, mm -hmm. and hear the details but um I, yeah i'm just trying to think if if it wouldn't it wouldn't be a page turner you gotta remember <laughs> though people would you are where people would want to be so yeah. Yeah, for yeah. them that would be compelling story so just yeah. a thought for you and um but yeah no i found you on um instagram from josh lajani yeah so he is like, what is this guy's running a parks? And he's like, what, plant-based? So that's how that all started. So Josh is yeah, great. I, I ran with him at Health Fest mm -hmm. in Marshall, Texas. We, uh, I helped him. I ended up um, volunteering for a week. I got there a little early and, and decided to help out and end up run, ran, running a couple of the venues where he was going to be speaking and that. And so met him quite a bit. We talked, and then we ran um, the Monday, uh, the day after the end of the event in the morning with uh, him and Howard Jacobson. Yeah. So. Uh, great guys. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good. All right. Well, you know, I, Bill, this has been 
amazing. And um, I'm definitely going to make sure that you have a place to stay in Western Colorado. <laughs> that, that's not a problem at all. And um, we'll make sure that um, I'm actually going to, you know, usually I put you in line with the others, but I'm just going to post yours early because you are in the middle of all this. And I want people to be able to uh, donate if they're, they choose to do so. It's a great cause. And I think, you know, I, I really think we do miss out on our national parks and mm -hmm. the beauty that's right behind us instead of, you know, people thinking, oh, they have to travel far away. But actually, you know, there's some amazing stuff just right here. In, yeah. And every state has something, right? I, I, you know, as much as I promote the national parks, uh, I recognize that, that sometimes people don't have the time to, to travel to them. So mm -hmm. some of them are fairly remote. But the message is get out and move in nature. Mm -hmm. And if that's your state park, your local park, your county park, get get out and get away from the trailhead and, and get out into nature a little bit. And you don't have to run, but running is a great way to do it because mm -hmm. of the mind part that I talked about and being focused and in the moment and allowing you to shake that the stress of the, the normal life for a little while. And, and uh, it's amazing how nature really refreshes and revitalizes you, mm -hmm. uh, even just walking in it and, and being around green space and not hearing the noise of the cars and and uh, the the beeps and and buzzes of your cell phone for a little while, right. you, you do feel better. Yeah. So you know the possibility of making a change and 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 getting out of nature is is something that you know needs to be uh, needs to be considered. Have you thought of how hard it's going to be for you to go back to? I mean, <laughs> yeah. What can I do when you're done? I mean, that's going to be really difficult. I would I would have a hard time with it. Yeah. So, um, uh, thank you for, for re, re, re uh, uh, bringing my anxiety I'm back sorry. to the surface. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. it, it is, I do. I'm starting to think about that as it's getting closer to the 50 and 51 number mm -hmm. where I'll have finished everything, but the, the Alaska, uh, parks, which we talked about, um, yeah, people ask me, what am I planning to do? And, the, the plan is to live in the Denver, the, the Colorado, Denver, Colorado area. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been kicking around two different paths that I probably do concurrently. Um, one of them is to, like, work for a gear company on the product management side. So uh, one of the things that I that I, I like technology, but it's not tangible. So I'd like to work for a company where the team that I'm either managing or part of is is producing something in the industry I'm interested in, and we're doing something that's tangible. So whether that's running shoes, clothing, footwear, accessories, vegan nutrition, something where I can I can say I use this. This is how I use it. This is why I use it. Uh, it's you can see it, touch it, feel it. Uh, you can see where we've made it stronger, faster, better. I get to work with athletes and customers to take their feedback and incorporate it into the next models. I just think that that I can leverage my my background. Uh, quite easily and effectively into that kind of environment. Now, I have to be mindful that I don't jump back into a typical corporate job because I think that, to your point, that like I don't know how long you know that would last before I would be itching to do something else. So it's got to be a blend between. I understand there's there's you know companies why they're in business and how you how you uh, you run companies. So it's not like that that you can't get away from certain parts of that but not doing it so uh, intensely for a, a multi-bazillion dollar company where you're kind of lost in the, in the, in the ocean somewhere. It'd be nice to work for a, a smaller firm where 
you know, we're all working together. We're, we're really trying to make this happen. So that's the one side. And then the other side is potentially some public speaking regarding this trip and doing it as a plant-based athlete and that uh, you can make a change in your life because what I did was fairly drastic and people go, oh, I hear all the time, I could never do that. And I, I hear it all the time and, it, and I think it's limiting language. It's people have discounted the potential or the possibility before they've even thought about it. And if they're doing that with something like this, they're doing it in other areas of their life too, so, not knowing it. So being open to the possibility even if you choose not to do it, that's okay, but don't discount it because I think that discounting that is is limiting. So, you know, I, I could never take uh, 10 months off. Well, you could. You actually could. You can do anything you want. But they say, well, right now I'm not in the position to take 10 months off. I would have to plan for it. Even if you're not going to do it, you've left the possibility open. And if you don't do that to start with, then you're closing yourself off to, to all sorts of experiences and life opportunities and potential for growth. So uh, that's, that's the first step, is believing it's possible. Again, whether you do it or not is, is irrelevant. Making change is good, um, but at least always recognizing there's possibility is important. So I have a lot of friends from corporate life that are either school colleagues or people that I've worked with in businesses that they just feel stuck. And I get message after message that says, well, I wish we could do that. Wish we could be there. Wish we, you know, if you want to take your family of four and sail around the world, you can do that. There's plenty of blogs out there of people who've done exactly that. But you plan for it. You learn how to homeschool. You learn how to sail. You buy a sailboat. You plan your route. You practice. And that could take three years. So, Taking a year to sail around the world, it take you three years to get ready to do it, but it's possible. It's poss it might not be feasible the very next month to sell your house in a month and, and jump on a boat and go around the world, and you'll probably you know, hit a reef and, and drown. So that would be terrible. So you have to plan for it, and that's, what, that's part of my message is that the possibility um, is, is coupled with planning. And you have to believe it's possible, and you can plan it, and you can do it. Now, I'm, so you said you did some writing. So are you writing this along? Because I think those are some great mindset tweaks for people because it's, it's yeah. very true. I mean, when I told people, because I was in the military, I've lived all over the country. And when I was in Colorado, like, wow, aren't you afraid to go to Florida? I was like, no, I don't understand. And I'm just going to another job. But right. it, it is very um, interesting to see. You know, I went to Uganda last year with my family and the medical mission trip. And like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, no. I mean, it no. is what happens will happen. We'll take care of it. Yeah. We plan for six, seven months, you know, again, right. like you were saying. And it was an amazing trip. I mean, absolutely incredible. And so, um, yeah, all of those things, I agree. Are you writing those down and so you can share with them? Like, I'm serious about. I, I have happening. I have been writing, yeah, um, as, as I'm thinking about it. I need to then distill it down to a to a, um, a concentrated message. But, yeah, I do write. I do write about this, um, mm -hmm. and I just—it's just not published. I'm not blogging regularly about it. Um, I just—and I think I guess I have enough material. I have a really funny anecdote. I was with with somebody just recently, and we were taking their dogs into the vet the vet to be groomed, and 
there were three women behind the counter, all probably um, 33 or younger. And we, the, the person with me was promoting me. And she's, she's like, this is the guy running in the national parks and he's doing a marathon in each one and he's finished 38 and, and this is great. And, you know, introduced me. And I thought that was, that was very, very kind. And one of the, one of the women behind the counter looked up and said, I could never do that. And I had just told her that that's what the way people think. And it's, it was, it was amazing. And she looked at me, she goes, no, people don't think that way. People don't think that way. And we walk in and within five minutes later, here's somebody going, I could never do that. And it's unfortunately pervasive in a lot of, of mindsets that you're, you're, you're eliminating the possibility of a lot of things before you've even considered it. So, yeah, it's absolutely true. But and it, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to right. actually fail. So, you know, cause I went, when we got married right out of college or right before we graduated college and I stayed home for six years and had my children. And then I went back to medical school. And so they were five, three and 10 months and people go, I could never do that. I was like, well, listen, it's not like yeah. you had three kids all at once. They yeah. just popped out. You know, I was like, no, you have the first one and you have the <laughs> next one and the next one. Then you start, <laughs> you know, yeah. preparing to go to medical school. You take refresher courses and you take your test and, and, but it is, it's a, it's a mindset. You, it's planning. So you find your vision and then build a plan backwards to steps mm -hmm. to your present point. So you know exactly what you need to do. This is, yeah, I think, but but to to your sense. point there is that people are are stuck before they even get there. Like they they don't think the they don't think the vision is possible, so they don't consider it. So they don't develop the plan. So rather than saying, well, that is possible, now let me see if it's feasible or if I have the finances or what do I have to do to plan to do it. That's a different discussion. But if you just don't think it's possible in the first place, then you're never going to do the other things. Absolutely, I, yeah. The vision. And I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's it's how they're raised or, you know, something happens in their life that they were disappointed. And it's just it's it's so sad to see some amazing people, you know, mm. not live their life to their potential, maybe what they're supposed to do in this world. So I agree. It's it's um I do a lot of talking with patients about that because yeah. a lot of times, sure. you know, when they're because they're like, I could never, you know, go to a plant based diet. It's like, why couldn't you? I could never give up cheese. <laughs> cheese is always the one. God, cheese. I understand. I tell people cheese and I used to be lovers. But, you know, it's like <laughs> cheese, is a, cheese is a special story. But, you know, it's, and it's funny is because I'm like, okay, so what is this chronic disease not allowing you to do? And, you know, and then we start talking about the possibilities. And all they need sometimes is just someone to believe in them and to mm -hmm. move forward. And, um, you know, finding that one thing that they – inside of them they dream about you know we i had a patient here who um came to the health oasis and significantly morbidly obese the first thing she told me was you know i've always dreamed of being a runner i was like all right you can be a runner and i'll go run the first race with you and she's like mm -hmm. what i'm like yeah and she goes yeah, really i could do that she's like I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and so now I have four of those patients that have come through the health oasis. Apparently, I'm going to go run some races with them somewhere yeah. when they're ready when, you know, yeah. and uh, and it's just really, it's really cool to be a part of that spark. So I think it'll be fun for you to see who you encourage with 
whatever comes out of this. No, I find and finding examples is is uh, always a good thing. So uh, I wanted to to this what I failed to mention earlier about the 5K that I ran this morning with the, with my family is uh, my sister-in-law's father has lost 120 pounds, and he's not vegan yet, <laughs> but he obviously decided um, that what he was doing wasn't working for him. And he, he saw that, that it is possible to lose weight. I just can't continue to do what I'm doing now. I have to make some sort of change. And, and he did. And so it took him, um, I think, 12 or 13 months to lose 120 pounds. Yeah. And he, yeah, it's amazing. And he, <laughs> today was the first time, he's 69. So this was the first 5K race he's ever run wow. continuously. That's amazing. We, and I ran with him the yeah. whole way. Yeah. And that's – it's amazing. And he <laughs> – I, I was joking with him in the last, um, like, two-tenths of a mile or so. There was a guy behind him who was probably 10 years his junior. And I said, don't let this guy pass you. And he picked up the pace. <laughs> yeah, like – I was like he took two steps off, and I had to – I had to whoa, you know, hey. <laughs> I had to catch up with him, actually. That's and awesome. That's that's potential. That's mm -hmm. possibility. And he just saw a better future and, and made it happen. But mm -hmm. it took time. Mm -hmm. You know, it took 20 years to put on 120 pounds because it happens a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. well, it took him a year to take it off, right. but he didn't do it by doing the same things he was always doing. Right. And now he's running 5K races at mm -hmm. 16. He's like, I had never. I said, do you ever think you would do this? No. Never thought I was going to ever do something like this lap five times so over um over 5k so almost five or five miles or so without stopping and i'm like yeah. that's that's amazing so it's possible it is and i've seen patients um who are unable to even walk 20 to 30 feet with without chest pain shortness of breath now yeah. within five weeks walking two miles a day and those stories are incredible but it's it's a recurring theme you change what you're doing, you get a different outcome. This is, yeah. it is really isn't rocket science. And over time, though, I think people, we, have, we live in a very instantaneous, mm -hmm. instant gratification, got to have it now kind of uh, mm -hmm. uh, culture. And I get caught up in that, too. So it's not, it's not, it's like I'm special by any means. Um, but uh, if you do make a change and you stick with it over time, when you, a, it becomes natural. To him, it's natural. He's like, I, I have to go out and run and walk now. Mm -hmm. I can't not do it. It's not, it's not an option. Mm -hmm. and, and because he goes, because I feel good, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. says, uh, I have arthritis in both my knees because his job required him to stand on concrete for, long, for long periods of time. And he goes, I know it's degenerative. It's not going away. But he looks at me and goes, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. He goes, because you're not carrying around 120 extra pounds. An extra person on your body. <laughs> I, mean, I weigh 150 pounds, so he was awfully close to carrying me around everywhere he went. Yep. And now he's he's running five tapes. And he ran that. I mean, he wasn't. He could have run so much faster. He was running. He had a good race. He had a good 40 40 minutes. So that's great for 69 years old. And yeah, had had an awesome time. Wasn't in any pain or you know nothing like that. Wonderful. So. Now that now that that's he's accomplished that that's another click in the what's possible. Mm -hmm. So could I do that faster? Could I do that long 10k? Could mm -hmm. I just feeds on itself and and yeah he's he's um, so much happier and brighter and and uh, 
He's like, I, yeah, I absolutely do it. Can do it. Yeah. And it's fun because I've been reading a lot about um, willpower and habits. And because I try to figure out ways to help people stick to the diet, a healthy diet or healthy lifestyle, move in that direction. And um, you're right. When they said this, that even though that they do one small thing, even just like adding a piece of fruit a day, what happens is it, it triggers things. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I can do more of that. And they, other things, they start to exercise. They start sleeping better. They start decreasing the stress. So it's a, trip, a, you know, a ripple effect that's pretty fun to watch over time. Yeah. But. Yeah. And that's, that's what's exciting about me. I don't have the, the medical background or nutritional background or that. But it, I think that, that the joy of seeing that must be so massive to people in the industry and yourself just to see people come in at their last at their wits end and everything I've tried hasn't worked and I've been on Atkins and I've been on South Beach and I've been on this and this and this mm -hmm. and then if they stick to it mm -hmm. the drastic amounts of change that they can see and just feel and be so much better about it has mm -hmm. got to be so rewarding to you. You know, it is, and I, I have a phrase I call veggie crack. So what they found is that people who, um, and I think that's why people go into medicine, because you want to help people. I mean, yeah. I've been wanting to be a doctor since I was like 10. And mm -hmm. um, there's a dopamine rush that occurs when you help people or when you've seen mm -hmm. someone, um, you know, you know, you know, especially like an ER doctor and they're saving lives. You know, I was never a journal yeah. junkie. I did what I had to to get, yeah, yeah I could do that, but I prefer not to. And... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it is the same. I, I tell people, you know, I, when people come back and their lives have changed drastically because I told them to eat more vegetables, you know, mm -hmm. so that's a simplified version. I call it veggie yeah. crack because it's like I need my next hit. So come on, guys. Yeah. I, I need you to stick with this. So yeah. you're, you're like my, my pimp for <laughs> 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 dopamine. But it's really fun to see you're absolutely right. And uh, I can't imagine doing anything else other than my next goal is to help medical students and education and residents and other physicians learn how to share this, the lifestyle medicine type message in a concise way that they can actually make a difference in a very short period of time, because we only have so much time with the patient. And, uh, right. um, that's kind of my next endeavor that I'm <laughs> trying to figure out. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really important thing. Cause I think, you know, physicians can be the army of change across America is pretty much everyone has a doctor. And and, uh, and I've heard in, in talking with people, just friends and, and people I meet, they listen to their doctors. And the doctor has a lot of sway about um, the, how they live their life and, and what they do. Oh, my doctor said to do this, and they do it. Mm -hmm. And so if the doctor said, here's how you should eat, here's the plan you should follow, there might be a chance that you'd get a much higher compliance mm -hmm. rather than having to go, and I don't want to discount the Health Oasis or any of the other programs that are out there by the, the doctors really that are impactful in this in this um, this area. But if your own primary care physician was able to guide you better, then um, you wouldn't need these extreme measures, or people wouldn't get to be at their wits end. They would, you know, sometimes you need a little tuning. That's great, but at least start with a base that puts you in a good position. You know, and as I talk to doctors, because when I discovered the plant-based diet and started using this in Western Colorado in a little town called Rifle, Colorado, I mean, it was named mm. after a gun, for goodness sake. <laughs> so um, if I can be successful there, anybody can be yeah. successful. And um, what was interesting is 
I was like, you guys, you know, you need to share with your patients this. You know, their patients would come see me, and I would help them, and they would see the yeah. changes. They'd see cholesterol drop 120 points in 30 days, and triglycerides drop 800 points, and weight loss, and all this. I mean, it just it over and over again. And uh, they're like, patients don't want to change. Why would I bother? I know. I'm like, what do you mean patients? Don't? My patients change. I go, but you're special, Lord. You get all excited. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you would too if you could actually yeah. heal people. <laughs> if you could see the change in that, and yeah, you would, oh it's gosh. like you said, that would be your patients would be your, your crack hit because crack. you're, Hashtag yeah, ID crack is what I call it. <laughs> they're coming back and making you feel good because they feel good. And I don't want it to sound selfish, but that's a big part of it, right? Because oh, yeah. you're going, oh, wow, yeah. this no, is, it's, no. it's a whole reason I did the podcast, too, because then I get to meet really cool people like you. And I was like, you know, I just, it, it's a fun one to share. But, too, I like, I want to meet these people. Right, right. <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely, you're, you're exactly right. So medicine has a long ways to go, but I think the tide is turning, I hope. And, uh, you know, Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Furman and Dr. Greger and all these guys are done some fantastic work, but I think it's time for the next generation to step up. And yeah, um, that really is, you know, like my daughter, um, she's 23. She starts medical school this fall and that's going to be hopefully my first school that I'm going to try and help um, share this type of message in the curriculum. So we'll see how this all goes. Uh, well, you are the next generation. Yeah. I'm still in we're my forties. So we're going to be talking about, <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, the McDougals and the Furmans and the Esselstons and those, those guys are, uh, don't look like they're going anywhere, but to your point, it's to the next, the next round of, of medical professionals that promote this mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, we're seeing, I think we're seeing a little bit about that a little like, like Baxter Montgomery and, and Dr. Mm -hmm. Garth Davis and mm -hmm. some folks that are new to the public role mm -hmm. of of this this message yeah. but uh, and now you Yay. yeah no exactly no but you know like dr esselstyn and dr campbell they're both in their early 80s dr Furman, yeah. dr bernard in their 60s i think dr gregor's he's in his 40s but like you know a lot of us now are in our mid to late 40s but now we need to get these young ones going mm -hmm. um yeah. and uh you know these millennials and i think they they're going to be motivated also for environmental reasons but yeah, I mean, I could talk about that forever. So, but this is your podcast and um, your story, and I was very excited. And thank you for um, taking the time out of your morning to actually let me interview you. Oh, it was my pleasure. I was very, very um, humbled to get the invite because oh. I understand talking to others that are in the sort of running podcasts and athletics and that, but uh, you know, this is this is a health focused plant-based podcast and and uh, uh i am but you know that's that's only a small bit of it so i appreciate the uh, right. the opportunity oh absolutely yeah no i've just started this podcast in october and um it has grown especially in the last month i've seen some things happening so that's kind of fun and i've are... seen some of your 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 uh guests and yeah, yeah. i'm I'm the small fish, you know. Oh, no, no, no. Every story is equally valuable. And uh, uh, and sometimes it's those stories that, you know, people don't know the name yet, but they get the most listens, honestly. So because yeah. um, people can connect with someone's like, oh, wow, this guy was sitting in New York in his office and, you know, scratching his head. I can't take this anymore. And you figured out a way yeah. to do something and that you never know who that's going to inspire. So, um I, I'm all about sharing those stories, and um, sometimes people I have on aren't vegan, but for the most part, I try to keep them plant-based. And yeah, um, but uh, I like to share other 
things that people are doing. Like I have a friend of mine who's who's not plant based. He's actually going to um, do through hiking through the Pacific Trail, mm-hmm. uh, Pacific Crest Trail, I believe, or what it's called. Uh-huh. Yeah, the one there's, from there's... Mexico to Canada. Yeah, that, that must be the Crest Trail because there's also crest the Pacific trail. Coast t- Trail, which crest would make trail. sense because that would be on the coast. Yeah, the PCT. <laughs> they call it the PCT, yeah. and so he's doing that. And Mace, I'll be interviewing him as well before he goes and when he comes back. And so, yeah, it's it's a really fun thing to see what people are doing. It's just people are just cool. I don't know. <laughs> some really cool stories. So, again, yeah. thank you for everything. And uh, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And like I said before, check him out at runningtheparks.com. And he's also on Facebook as well. And then there's that link there to help, um, you know, raise funds for this um, leg of the Alaska trip for for sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thank you.